Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the desk. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Mason Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Lavin and Thomas Henderson. How you guys doing? Good, good. I'm good. 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 Excellent. There is baseball happening. Well, you know, stuff happens. Well, speaking of stuff happening, <laughs> we can get to promote extend trade. And on this date back in 1987, excuse me, 1989, and this is on one hand absurd, but on the other hand pretty serious, um, England and Iran broke off their diplomatic relations because of the fatwa that Ayatollah Khomeini issued against Salman Rushdie with his book, The Satanic Verses. So obviously that book was pretty controversial, especially in the uh, Islamic world. So what controversial baseball books are we going to promote, extend, or trade? I was a little worried about which way you were going with that. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh... <laughs> a lot of ways could have gone. So first up, we have Moneyball by Michael Lewis. Next up, we have Ball 4 by Jim Booten. And last and certainly not least is Juiced by Jose Canseco. What was the oh. middle one there? Sorry, my brain just went... Pfft. Ball four by Jim okay. Bolton. Okay, okay. As soon as I heard Juice, I was like, ah, forget the rest of them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we're judging based on quality of the book, can we throw the Jim Bowden book like in the trash <laughs> and then throw that trash into the ocean? <sighs> well, you know, it, it's, it's all how you want to do it. I just want to trade that book because I don't like Jim Bowden. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps I'm too harsh. For me, that's the one that extended because I feel like it was the most revolutionary. It was like the book that enabled these other ones. Moneyball, not so much. A little bit, but. Moneyball did for different especially. reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moneyball just made like, also like, I know you're talking about the books but like at least in the movie 
they don't really reference that like Bays were already good. <laughs> like yeah, I know they don't like, reference they, that they had Barry Zito, Tim Hudson, and uh, <laughs> Mark Mulder on the pitching staff. Yeah, and and like Miguel Tejada and shit. It's like people they have act the, like the entire team <laughs> and the MVP, and they mentioned neither of them. Yeah, and it's like well, yeah, but well, Andrew Brown. They, they talked about Tejada a little more in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly talking about how he had no plate discipline and why that irked Billy Bean the wrong way. But the only time Tejada appears in the movie, I think, is in the uh, walk-off hit in game nineteen of their winning streak. I think. I think they mention him a few times in some of the montages. But... Yeah, exactly. He kind of, right, right. Look, I love Moneyball. Still, I know it's flawed, and the it's a good book. Right, the like yeah. third, fourth, and fifth order effects of how it changed baseball management are maybe not the best. Let's put it that way. Um, but as as someone who enjoys science and analysis, the attacking baseball in a different way is a is a still an interesting concept to me, even if a lot of the ideas in that book are. Exaggerated or at this point very outdated. Mm-hmm. And also with that book, it was revolutionary for fans, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that kind of approach—you know—it's not like the the GM of some other team read the book and they're just like, "Oh, this is a good idea." This is these are ideas that were already in baseball percolating, you know. Sure. I would say a lot of people who were young, young younger when that book came out and then got oh, into yeah. baseball. Probably were influenced by it more in that effect. Oh, yeah. I mean, that shaped a generation of fans. I mean, that's straight up the book that got me into baseball. I'll admit that. Um, like, that <laughs> Nerd. Makes me, yeah, it makes me a bad fan. Like, here's the thing. I think you can enjoy this book without just turning into a total ownership shill. You know, like I want to see players get paid more, and I also want to manage my team intelligently with while paying players more. Mm-hmm. So that, that's that's my stands so i'm i'm extending money well because that holds a special place in my heart so drag me all you want twitter yeah it's it's reasonable it's fair what's that wind tweet my opinions just keep getting worse yell at me all you want they just keep getting worse <laughs> <laughs> i would have promoted juiced because i feel like that had the most bombshell stuff. I mean, you know, that juice is where he basically was pointing the fingers at guys that hadn't had fingers pointed at before, like A-Rod, really. Mm. But there was also just too much stupid bullshit in it. You know, like, if there like wasn't... typical Jose Canseco stupid Right, ex- exactly. Like, if what there kind was of stuff less... he staked his post-baseball career on? <laughs> yes. If there was less bullshit in that book, you could have believed it more, you know? Like, it's one of those things like the boy that cried wolf. You don't believe the true things because there's so much... So many made-up things. You know, I always thought the guy who took a ball off the dome and turned it into a home run <laughs> was a very reliable source of information. And the thing is, he's probably right about a lot of that stuff, too. Yeah, probably. I mean, he, and, he, he was for most of it. That's true, yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Turn out to be a giant piece of shit. Who <laughs> could have known? <laughs> I don't know if he was telling the truth about, like, having a, a one-night stand or whatever with Madonna, but, <laughs> you know, you never know. That's the problem with Juiced. But then again, who hasn't had a one night stand with Madonna? I guess so. Uh, <laughs> she was she was Madonna. I suppose she was. All right, let's move over now to our way too early draft updates. Um, I'll go first. Chase Delauder. He had a tough opening series, but he put that behind him, and he is currently on a tear right now. James Madison played Virginia Military Institute and the University of Richmond midweek, and then Quinnipiac over the weekend. And he went 6-for-8 with two doubles, two homers, two walks, two steals, and no strikeouts. But he only played in three games because on Friday he was hit by a pitch in the helmet in the first inning, and then... He crashed into the outfield wall and to the top of the second. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coach just decided, you know what, just take the next couple of days off. That seems fair. Yeah. So, all in all, <laughs> he is currently hitting 459, 543, 811 through 10 games. He has four doubles, three homers, two steals, 
seven walks and ten strikeouts. So he's recovered from that kind of uh, horrible University of Florida series nicely. Mm-hmm. And my other guy, Landon Sims, he came into the week with an 0-2 record, despite having played pretty, uh, pretty well. And it looked like he was going to finally get his first win this week when MSU is facing Tulane. And through the first couple of innings, basically the team was on cruise control. He was on cruise control. MSU was up 6 nothing. Sims has gotten through three-plus innings without giving up a hit, giving up a walk. And he faced 11 batters and struck out 10 of them, all swinging. So you'd like to see that. But on his last strikeout, unfortunately, he shook his arm and was taken out of the game. And Pitching Ninja posted the gif, and he immediately recognized that as a UCL thing. And it's uh, it's not good. It's not looking good. It's too early to know right now, and Mississippi State hasn't released any updates yet, but Tommy John would be uh, bad. This is probably likely to be the final uh active update on on sims right yeah yeah i mean it's not the end of the world for him of course because plenty of pitchers they've gotten tommy john and they've they're either prior Including or during the draft teammate jt Ginn. exactly exactly but if he does get if he is injured and he does get tommy john i don't think that i would be particularly comfortable drafting him you know with 14 overall um another guy anthony k you know tommy john right before the draft the mets took him 31 teammate JT Ginn, he had Tommy John basically like almost at this exact point of the season in 2020. I think he had like two games, whatever. Yeah, it was about two games. Yeah, and the Mets took him 52. So if Simmons is around, you know, in like the second round, I think they're picking in like mid-40s or so. I'd have no problem there. But 14 overall, you know, there's there's definitely some very good non-injured, non-question mark kind of players and I wouldn't really want to see them use that pick on on him at that point, which sucks. It would have to be like a underslot play if they did yeah, that. Yeah, like something. Yeah. Yeah. The only difference between um, Sims and some of these other guys is that uh, Sims really hasn't started. Um, no, he's been a reliever. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you could say the same thing about Jaden Hill, I believe. Thomas, you you were um, yeah, Jaden Hill him? was like he started. Uh, a few more times than Sims did, though, I think. Did he get a full year? I don't remember. I'd have to look, honestly. So, like, because um, I can't remember off the top of my head now. Oh, no uh, Unfortunately, our ability to judge how Jaden Hill turns out is going to be totally screwed by the fact that he was drafted by the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> and They do an excellent job developing pitchers. Oh, what yes. Are you talking about? Famously. All right. Um, so those are my two guys. Lucas, uh, Brock Porter, high school, has their season started yet? It has not started, and right. Michigan starts even later than most, so I unintentionally gave myself a very easy job nice. and don't nice. have anything to say about Porter. The only thing we've seen recently is that, I don't know if you guys mentioned it last week, there was a grainy preseason vid where he's hitting 100 in bullpens or whatever you want to call it. That's cool. Those still Right, like, dudes, nothing has changed. Still potentially huge raw stuff. Let's see how he looks in the spring and compare him against some of the other prep arms. Um, yeah, so no no movement there. Uh, Dylan Beavers, meanwhile, uh, continues to plug along. He had, like, a couple slow games. He was striking out a bit, and then he's pulled it together the last couple games. At this point, he is hitting... Uh, 316, 426, 684, that's a 1110 OPS, which that'll play. Um, they've played some pretty good competition so far as well, so, uh, not like he's doing this against nobodies. Uh, four homers on the year. Strikeouts are, are, uh, I, I don't know what to make of his strikeout rate right now, right? Like, it's, he struck out 10 times in 38 at bats, which is not horrific. It's higher than I want to see from a, college hitter I'm thinking about drafting highly um, but three of those came in one game and since then he's only struck out three times in five games so the sample size is still pretty small here we could realistically be seeing him improve on what I think is his biggest wart at this point the the contact questions um, I mean I mentioned how he's still pretty pretty new to hitting so uh, have I backed off slightly since he hit those two homers against Gonzaga, both of which were absolute 
fucking rockets, <laughs> maybe slightly, but I'm I'm still pretty pleased with what we've seen so far. If he can get that K rate under twenty by the end of the year, I'm I'm gonna be just totally all in on the dude. As if you weren't already all in on him. Yeah, I'll be like uh, <laughs> call, like I was probably a hundred. You're, you're all still in. beaver pilled. Oh yes, yes. Okay. I was like. Uh, hammering down those beaver pills after that Gonzaga game. I may be taking a little bit slower now, but like I said, he keeps this K-rate improvement going. Uh, I, I don't see a wart with this player. Oh, that's good. Good to hear. Uh, Thomas, um, American Heritage High School left-handed pitcher Brandon Barrio. Has their season started yet? Yeah, he has pitched 5.1 oh. innings for high school. There we go. And... He has 10 strikeouts and a 0.00 ERA. So, 10 is actually lower than I would have expected. <laughs> yeah, right. But, ah. um, yeah, so he pitched just that once, and um, he threw a one-hitter. So, <laughs> good. That's, that's basically what, what it's at with him. He just he throws very hard and has a good breaking ball, and it's high school. Like, for, for kids like that, he's just going to mow them down, really. That's what you want to see, though. Like, he... Obviously, he's going to get – kids are going to hit him and stuff. like He's, he's not going to be perfect all year, but he's going to be close to it just with how good his stuff is. His so, yeah, that'll be fun to keep an eye on. Stupid. I suspect it's, a lot of one-hitters. Yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Like a lot of – he gave up two hits and struck out 12 in like six innings. You know, like shit like that. And Gavin Cross, who was out, he only played in one game before he had like a little wrist soreness. But he came back. He's up to seven games played this year. And he's hitting 321, 441, 607. So he's just, the wrist has not slowed him down in any way. And I think he's going to hit himself into being a first round pick. So. Very good. And finally, Ken. We have Jace Jung and Cam Collier. How are they doing? Uh, so when last we spoke, Jace Jung was kind of slowly starting the season. A lot of walks being pitched around mostly. Um, that's kind of changed. He went uh, over three against D- Dallas Baptist on the first, uh, but drew two walks. He went uh, three for six against Merrimack um, the day after. Uh, again, three for three with three walks nice. <laughs> in the second game of that series. And two for four with a walk. And he hasn't struck out since... That last time, uh, last time we spoke. So, on the year, he's currently hitting uh, 351, um, 564, (laughs) 514. So, with two homers, and uh, he's walked 16 times against eight strikeouts. So, we're still very early in the season. Um they're they're not playing you know really elite competition yet, but his triple slash has completely rebounded and he's got a two to one strikeout to walk ratio. That'll play. Yeah, I mean now is the time to pad those stats. So. Yep, this is what you want to see. Um, his OPS is currently above a thousand, and uh, we'll see as they get into the the meat and potatoes of their schedule. Uh, Cam Collier has slowed down a little bit but is still hitting a robust I just had it up uh, actually we'll go through the game log he went one for four basically two for ten the last week but he's got uh four walks against two strikeouts so again a two to one strikeout to walk ratio and um He's currently hitting 346, 406, uh, 503. Not bad. So, no, wait. 346, 470, 577. I was looking at the wrong tab. Ah. So, not quite as good, but still very good for a 17-year-old playing against, you know, largely well-older appearance. Uh, opponents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, so that is our that concludes our way too early draft updates. I'm just glad for once I'm not the guy pushing the heavy uh, elite swing decision, dude. 
Once Ken is on the swing decision, dude. I mean, he, he's like in everything. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, no, he's going to hit for more power. Just right now, he's, he's really the, good. Like, yes, no, he is very good. No argument for me. Yeah. Usually, I'm the guy with the OB with the saying, "Oh, I love this guy whose on base percentage is 600 and his slugging starts with a four. <laughs> Will Toffee, the immeasurable Will Toffee. Oh boy, not my best work there. All right, so we have uh, a lot to get to this week. Obviously, Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association were unable to come to an agreement, and the MLB has extended the player lockout through March into the beginning of April, canceling the first bunch of games. And honestly, this this is an ongoing thing and doesn't have a resolution because through months and months and months now, Major League Baseball hasn't been negotiating in good faith, so it's pretty likely that the lockout is going to continue past those first two series of the year. And Minor League Baseball isn't being impacted directly by this. The season is going to start on time. Syracuse is starting this season on Tuesday, April 5th, and everyone else is starting on Friday, April 8th. But minor league baseball is going to be impacted by the lockout indirectly in a couple of ways. And then in general, minor league baseball is going to be impacted in the future by whatever decisions the two sides do come to when there is some kind of agreement. So we're going to talk about that this week. And the most obvious and most immediate thing in the short term here right now is that there's going to be a bunch of minor league players who are on the 40-man roster and are not going to be able to start the season on time because of that. So Travis Blankenhorn, Jose Budo, Khalil Lee, Ronnie Mauricio, Adam Aller, Nick Plummer, Thomas Zipucky, and Mark Vientos, they're all on the 40-man roster. And as a result, they're not going to get to play this year until everything is resolved. And it sucks because I don't want to say all of those guys, it's, it's, it's not a make or make or break year necessarily that's exaggerating a little bit but this season was probably going to be a kind of important one for all those guys Nick Plummer obviously he was just signed for one year so the less playing time he has the less time he has to establish himself here and show that you know he deserves a roster spot um Langenhorn Lee Allers Pucky and Vientos they're all in kind of similar situations they're basically all on the cusp, basically, and less playing time means less time they can show that they're done developing and deserve a major league roster and all that, roster spot and all that, so. And the last one, Ronnie Mauricio, he was basically more or less guaranteed to spend the entire season in the minors, you know, barring some real craziness, um, you know, most likely going to spend the majority of the season in A. And double A is generally where, you know, the weed is separated from the chaff and he is still kind of youngish. So, and and there are some questions there with him that he needs to answer. But, you know, this was kind of, again, not necessarily make or break season or anything like that, but it was going to be an important year for Mauricio. And, you know, until this lockout is, is ended and, and, they get back on the field, you know, he's going to have less time to answer some of the questions that we have with him, and it sucks. Is it is he the guy that's most negatively affected by this? In the Met system, yeah, yeah. Probably. I think he might be among the most negatively affected of any player, but definitely in the Met system for me. Either him or, or, or Vientos. I See, think from a player development point of stand, Mauricio. From Mm -hmm. a player... uh, What's a good way of putting this? From a uh, a player... From a team roster construction point of view, I guess, you could say Vientos. Mm -hmm. Because with less playing time, you you know, Beatty can just completely overtake him, and okay, Vientos, now you're completely expendable, goodbye. Whereas if he had playing time, let's say he was doing good, now it's more of a competition between the two, you know? Uh, Yeah, I can see that. With Mauricio, like, he more than almost anyone else in the minors needs those reps so that he can fix his plate discipline problems. He needs to play. 
Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that's the only way to train that really. It's not like he needed to lose some weight or get better at defense, like stuff you can work out without live games. He needs to see uh, professional pitching and he's not right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's not like these guys are just singing at home eating like bonbons and popcorn. Like they're, no, yeah. in shape and doing everything, but there's only so much that you, you know, with Mauricio's issues especially, you know, there's only so much that he can do on his own or with, you know, a couple of friends or whatever, you know, like because of the lockout, they don't have access to, you know, the professional coaching and professional equipment, all that kind of stuff, so. Like there are also substitutes you could come up with, like if there, if there weren't games, for instance, right, you could do... Training with other players. You could throw on a pair of VR headsets or something, right, to look at pitches. But he's not getting the support of his org right now either. So he's yeah. just totally, yeah. like, this is worse than, it's, this is worse than the, uh, uh, the COVID situation, at least in terms of developmental results, right? Obviously not in terms of everything else. But. Yeah, because, I mean, at least with, COVID and everything, like the teams are still working out together. They were still performing mm-hmm. formal camps and he had access to the equipment and the coaching and the professionals, whereas at this point he does not. Yeah, it's going to be tough developmentally Like this, if this break lasts much longer. Not much longer, but like a significant amount of time into the season, I mean, then it's going to really mess with development, I think. Right. I mean, let's say that on, you know, Tuesday, both sides come to agreement and it turns out that they're only delayed, let's say, two weeks. Like, that's yeah. not going to have any issue. But do you foresee that happening? Because I really don't. Probably not. I think we'll get, like, to lose a season is a lot, but we'll probably lose a decent amount of games. Mm-hmm. And with a couple of those guys, um, they were added to the 40-man roster pretty recently. Vientos, Mauricio, Aller, and Budo to protect them from the upcoming Rule 5 draft. And the thing is that upcoming Rule 5 draft might actually not happen now. <laughs> uh, as reported by Kylie McDaniel and Jeff Passan, a couple of teams they've, they've brought up just kind of skipping the Rule 5 completely this year. It's kind of been a, an underreported thing, but... Apparently, a bunch of teams, they basically ban scouts from their minor league training camps because they don't want other teams to have extra time to scout their players in the Rule 5 draft and make better selections. <laughs> and it's extremely petty when you think about it, but... This is so... brutally stupid. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know how we screwed over the league year? Let's not to, we don't want to suffer the consequences for doing that. So let's cancel things and hurt players more. Why not? Mm-hmm. Like if you're um Oh shit, I should have prepped for this. Uh Baseball America Rule 5 preview. There's always like one or two names right at the top of these lists who are very like very obviously should be in the majors but are getting screwed, right? Like they're right and mm-hmm. If you're if you're I don't know Michael Stefanik for the Angels, uh, Joey Murray for the Blue Jays, Samad Taylor for the Blue Jays, and you're sitting there like, man, I'm not going to get a shot because I'm stuck behind everyone on the Blue Jays infield, or <laughs> why Stefanik isn't getting a chance for the Angels is actually a little puzzling. But anyway, like you're not getting a shot. Like, of course you want the Rule Five draft to happen. Mm-hmm. And. And it's just annoying because the the deadline to put people on on the forty man roster was like April twenty. I mean April twenty. It was like November twentieth or whatever. And obviously the dead the the, the lockout started on December first. It's not like major league clubs didn't have an inkling that this yeah. was going to happen. And I know it's like an administrative thing. Like you have to do this, even though you know that the lockout is imminent. But it just especially sucks, you know? But, you know, uh, it is what it is, I guess. It's just it, it's it's just another example of teams and the league as a whole refusing to uh, feel the consequences of their actions and dump them onto players whenever mm-hmm, possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it's the same shit. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. apply. All right. So when the Major League Baseball and the Players Association do eventually come to an agreement, like I said, it's going to primarily affect the major leagues, obviously, but there will be ripples that will be felt in the minor leagues. So we'll go over some of those things this week. Um, one of those things that we know is 100% going to be happening is the designated hitter in the National League. And I hate the DH. I always have. I always will. But that said, I recognize that it does improve a team's offense. And it always annoyed me when the Mets would play in interleague games and AL team would already have a, D- a DH. And the Mets would use, like, Marlon Anderson or something. You know? <laughs> like, nothing against Marlon Anderson, but, you know, there's a difference between him and, and David Ortiz or, or, or Frank Thomas or Hideki Matsui or someone, you know? Am I crazy, or did they, like, DH Julio Franco a couple times back yeah, in the day? Okay. I'm sure they did. <laughs> 44-year-old Julio Franco starting DH. <laughs> so, you know... um, even though I'm against it, it will improve the Mets. And, um, you know, with, with an extra position open now, that means that there's an additional player that could slot into that position. And whether it be, you know, putting a guy like Vientos in there, one, two, three, or switching Pete Alonso to DH and then moving Vientos to first base, or maybe JD Davis to DH and then Beatty to third base. You know, there's a bunch of different combinations that the team could possibly go with that is going to make it easier for a guy that's in the minors currently to be able to play in the majors, which is a good thing. This is the point where Thomas has signed Freddie Freeman, I think. <laughs> and move Alonzo to, to DHS. Oh, boy. It's just hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it would be pretty funny. That would be, yeah, if that happened, that would... uh as, as an interesting hypothetical, are the Mets the NL team that benefits most from the DH being added? I, if, if you I've told me to ask me this two years ago when I thought Dom might have actually been good again, like for real, then maybe. But mm-hmm. like they could still use it for to, if Cano was not washed to use them as like a few times a day, D, a few times a week DH, and like I think the Mets have a lot of. I wrote about this for the site, but there's like there's a lot of players on the Mets who need to be load managed, kind of, to like get the most out of them, uh, health wise. And I think the Mets could use the DH for that too. Mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I would I would argue they are they are the biggest beneficiary in the National League of the DH right now. Yeah. I also think J.D. Davis is better than most people, so like I'm fine with J.D. Davis being the D.H. most of the time. Uh, but you're right about the load management stuff, and then they have a glut of third-base prospects yeah. slash probably yeah. first-base prospects, but, you know. It only helps and doesn't hurt. Uh, another thing that we know is that yeah, the last CBA, it had the whole qualifying offer deal, which meant that you know a team that signed a free agent who rejected the qualifying offer from his former team, they'd have to give up their highest draft pick. An example being Michael Kadir. And when he signed with the Mets, the Mets lost their first-round pick in 2014. Um, that's probably not going to be the case of the next player agreement, so that's good because 
as we've seen the last like two or three years, this has really impacted those B plus kind of guys where they're solid players, but teams don't think that they're worth losing the draft pick over, so they don't get signed and and screwed over. And I, I'm really I, I've been racking my brain like all weekend. Who are some of those guys that have been you know like Craig Kimbrell? There you go. That's a good one. Who have basically have have they they were unable to sign and and the season has started and they're just sitting there and they're good players, but Kimbrell, teams, yeah, yeah, teams weren't just really interested in losing the draft pick to to sign these guys. Kyle Loesch, I think, at mm. one point. The uh, only guy that kept popping into my mind is Irvin Santana, and I don't think that he really qualifies here. Mm. But yeah, I, I'm happy. I'm fine with this one because you know it sucked to see deserving guys get screwed when they were good but not great. And, and you know, I, I'm I've been you know like as someone that follows has to do all this draft stuff. Like a guy like Michael Conforto, like he's a fine player and I like him and everything like that. But to then get the draft pick, like I find that more interesting. So I'm more fine with him walking away and signing with another team and getting that draft pick and now not having to worry about that kind of thing. Like, okay, great. I would like to see Michael Conforto resigned, you know, and future, future Michael Confortos too. I mean, I don't have a problem with teams receiving some sort of compensation when a player departs yeah, in free agency. Like I the agree. NFL does, does the, I don't think the NBA does this, but that's because their draft is like, 20 players long, and then no one cares. Um, like, I don't have a problem with the teams receiving compensation, but the penalty for signing it has never been mm-hmm. anything other than a method to suppress player salary. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a good change. I'm very glad that this change seems to be imminent. And while we're speaking about the draft, there's a lot of things that um, are going to be impacting the draft. Um, some of the things MLB wants to see, some of the things MLB Players Association wants to see, but we'll see, you know, what actually happens. One thing that's been brought up, uh, to change is the way that draft compensation is awarded to, to prevent teams from tanking. And instead of teams getting better picks depending on what their record is the year before, one thing that's been proposed is that the worst bunch of teams will be put in a lottery. Uh, Major League Baseball proposed the, the worst five teams would be put in that lottery. Players Association have proposed the first eight teams. Either way, I, I'm fine with either one. Honestly, five, eight, it really doesn't matter too much. I was always kind of against lotteries in the first round, but for like all 30 picks, because I think that's way too much variance. But with the first couple of picks, I'm fine with it. Because a bad team should be rewarded, not rewarded, but the reward is not a good word to use. But there should be some ways for a bad team to improve itself. Assisted, perhaps? Assist, yes, they could use some assistance. <laughs> <laughs> and I was looking at how the NBA does it. Um, it seems pretty convoluted, but at the same time, it seems pretty fair. There's like a whole chart that the NBA website has. Yeah, it's just percentages. The, yeah, the worse you are, the more, the more balls right. you have in the in the thing. Right, exactly. It's like the first three teams with the worst records can't have. Uh, but the envelope was cold. They rigged it. But <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's all, it's a whole bunch of different percentages where you know you the worse you are, you have a little bit more weight, and like the the worst team can't pick worse than fourth and or or fifth or whatever. Like it's a whole bunch of convoluted things, but it it seems extremely fair. And I would be down with that for Major League Baseball. The only the unfortunate, like I don't agree, uh, disagree with anything you said, but I've realized this because I always bring up the NBA as a parallel. The unfortunate reality is that the parallel breaks down when you realize that most NBA teams are trying and most Major League Baseball <laughs> yeah. teams are not. Right, like, well that's, yeah. Like there's still a core problem. Like everything you said is correct, but we still have a core problem here that I like. It's much harder to solve. That's my yeah, problem I mean, with um expanding the playoffs too, which is what uh-huh. they want to do. Like mm-hmm. 
in other sports when teams fight and like actually try to be like the eighth seed because that means they probably haven't made the playoffs in a while and just making it is like what their goal is. But I don't, I feel like baseball teams would just be like, eh, we could be a little worse and make the playoffs instead of the middle teams being like, let's actually try, you know? Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think baseball has the best playoff system as it is right now. Like it, it, it is extremely boring to no end when it seems like, you know, hockey playoffs or basketball playoffs, they last for like a month, month and a half because there's just so many teams playing. It's like half the league gets in. It kind of doesn't feel special. Whereas baseball, you know, you had your four teams. Now it's a little bit more than that, but like you had your best teams and that was that and you know that they're going to fight and, and I don't know. I, I don't like the, the idea of expanding the playoffs. Apparently, uh, MLB doesn't even want to give on the uh, division winners having the game in hand, right? So they're really bearing down on this, like, nope, expand the playoffs, total randomness, suck and get in, <laughs> which I hate. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that the draft might be impacted by is the idea that has been floated that teams would be awarded draft picks if they let their rookie players play and avoid service time shenanigans. And on one hand, I do like that because, you know, it's good that it gives teams that might otherwise not have the incentive to let those younger players actually play. But at the same time, there's so many variables, and I feel like it definitely is going to be abused by teams like the Rays who continue doing what they do, develop guys, and then get prospects and draft picks via trade or free agency. So I feel like it doesn't really solve the issue. It it helps a little bit, but it doesn't really solve the issue. And the the way they were going to determine, was this the thing that was tied to, like, prospect rank? Uh, No, this, well, I don't believe so. I think this was where it, it was tied to playing time, where you let your... You know, a, a player who is rookie qualif- has rookie qualifications play more than X amount of games instead of manipulating and waiting for their, you know, Super 2 date to come and go and all of that. Again, and also, I feel to... like it, it also puts a lot of pressure on the player, too. I mean, if a, if a team brings up a player and he's not ready, they have to send him down. He's just not ready. If a team wants to be stubborn because they want to get some, you know, the carrot that's being dangled in front of them, they let some guy who's clearly not ready play a uh, hundred games, hundred twenty, hundred and sixty, whatever it may be. You know that that doesn't help the player in his development. You could see that on really bad teams, mm-hmm. like, the, like the O's and like the Orioles and stuff. And again, then it, like these kind of bad teams do now they intentionally try to be bad and and to save money and and get picks and everything like that now they're getting double rewarded because their record is going to be worse and at the same time they can claim like oh we're letting these young players play and reaping those rewards too so that's another thing that in principle sounds good on paper but there's just so many variables that they need to be there needs to be more specific there. I, uh, Craig Goldstein on Twitter, who is more competent in, ta- in terms of talking about law things or contract negotiations than I am, made a good point about this. I think the core issue remains that uh, one side is going to play by the letter of the law as opposed to the spirit. Mm-hmm. The spirit of the law as is and the spirit of this new change would clearly be, hey, if your guy's ready, he should be up no matter what you're trying to do. And unfortunately, no matter how you change this, it's going to be like, it's, it, it is borderline impossible to write a rule for this issue that will remove every corner case that teams are going to um, exploit. Right. So it, it's like an unsolvable problem because one side just will never, ever, ever acknowledge the, the spirit of the law here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they had that one exec in an article saying, what are we going to do? Not exploit Not expl- them? <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the idea, man. You could just not. 
The advantage is so marginal anyway. I mean, that's been the problem with basically everything that has been happening over the last three months, is you have one side that is not engaging in seriously or anything like that. Um, so those are the kind of major things that will impact the draft. And another thing that's been discussed, this is something that's been discussed numerous times beforehand, but again, now that there's new CBA um, in play and everything, it's getting some more discussion again, and that is an international draft. And very complex, and, you know, this is something you could spend, people more intelligent and in the know than us have spent a lot more time and effort discussing, you know, the pros and cons and everything with an international draft, but we'll do our best here, I guess. But obviously, you know, with an international draft, players will have more security because as the system is now, they're super exploited. Uh, as we've discussed before, you know, they'll enter into verbal agreements with teams that treat them like informal players and keep them segregated in a little bubble from other teams. But at the same time, the player has no leverage and the team has all the leverage. And at any point in time, the team can renege. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the player is left with nothing. And he either has to, you know, accept the scraps that some other team might throw them if they come by, or just have no options at all. And, you know, it's good that players will have more security in a draft system, as opposed to the the wild, wild west that it is now, you know? Um, Another thing, money should be more evenly spread, and should be more commensurate to what a player's perceived talent and value is. Um, you know, it, it happens in the IFA market. Sometimes really talented guys get teeny-weeny little bonuses because of some kind of perceived flaw. And it does happen in the amateur draft, too. I mean, look at 2019 and 2020. You know, the Mets went with a ton of college seniors that they could offer small bonuses to to save mm-hmm. their money. But as a whole, a draft would guarantee that these players who are you know out there would make more as a whole you know the the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing and you're not going to have any situations where well i'm not going to say you're not because you will there will always be teams that will do whatever they can but you'll have I think fewer... the proposed agreement had 15 percent increased spending over current slot values which is mm. something i guess yeah it's the real problem here is that the MLB created this problem. MLB showed up, lit the house on fire, yeah. and is now showing up with a fire hose saying, <laughs> yeah, we need this fire hose to, to solve the – well, no, that's that analogy has failed, hasn't it? Uh, more like they're showing up with a bulldozer saying, yeah, we can clear out this fire real quick instead of, you know, putting out the fire. Mm-hmm. That That really was a tortured analogy, and I'm sorry. <laughs> you tried. You did. I, I I tried. You know, there was an attempt. That's all we ask for on this podcast: is you do and, your best. You try. Well, MLB could enforce their own fucking rules and punish the teams who are blatantly abusing the system. Hint: it's all of the teams. Mm-hmm. And leave, and then leave the current system as is. But instead, they're like, "Nope, we want a draft." Now, I say this as someone who actually likes the idea of a draft but would want more money to be involved i understand that that isn't necessarily the consensus but whatever it's it's again just blatant bullshit from the league right well what are the cons of a draft now let's say there is a draft system instituted there really aren't too many for players you know i guess the, the biggest one, and it's only kind of a conceptual con for the players, is that a draft system takes away some of their freedom, I guess, to choose. I mean, and it's also a lot more complicated than that because the, the idea that, okay, they're talented players, they could shop it to anyone that they want, that's not really the case in the current system right now because, you know, certain trainers, certain buscones that they are working with, 
have good relationships with certain teams. So there definitely is favoritism already. But conceptually, yeah, players do and will lose out on a little bit of, of freedom to choose the team that they want to sign with informally and then hopefully formally. Um, and yeah, you can kind of do that in a regular draft by letting teams know that you're not intending on signing or whatever, so they back off, but that's not, you know, necessarily foolproof. Um, but that's a very minor kind of con. Like I said, it's more a conceptual one because do you really think that, you know, uh, some guy gets drafted, you know, first overall in the international draft and he had his heart set on being a Yankee? And it turns out it's the Orioles. Do you think he's going to turn down the five million dollars that they give to him, whatever you know it may be? I don't think so. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, Steve. And I'm curious if Thomas or Ken has a counterpoint because it seems like the overall consensus is that there are many more drawbacks for the players on this front because of the draft. Yeah, I mean you're basically taking money out of their pockets. Yeah. Are you though? If you increase yeah, overall freedom. spending, you're not necessarily. It's it's just it's so weird because the IFA as it is right now, it's so such a wild system where you could have one team throw someone that they think is worth eight million dollars, give them eight million dollars, great, and then another team, you know, let's say like let's look at Baseball America's rankings, and a team might give the guy that Ben Badler thinks is the best eight million dollars, and then the team that thinks the team that that picks the guy that is ranked tenth is getting, let's say, two million dollars. It, it's it's a very weird variance that that exists right now. I think that a draft would even things a bit for players um, in terms of who's getting what from teams. To, to to put some numbers on that point, right? If you look at, like, the slot values on the domestic draft, like, the way they decline, like, the, the starting values at the top of the domestic draft are higher, right? Like, the first overall pick has a slot of 8.5 million and then 8 million. The highest international bonuses the last two years have been around 4 million. So I think Pedro Leon got 4 million. Last year, and uh, Christian Vaccaro got four point. Christian Vaccaro got five million. Okay, got four point nine. Um, so presumably, those top guys are still going to be selected at the top of the draft and get similar bonuses. And then the decay rate as you go down the bonus mm-hmm. list mm-hmm. is pretty similar to the slot bonus decay rate you see in the domestic draft. So I don't, I don't know that I understand the argument as to why this is taking money out of the players' hands. Unless you're, unless there's like an obvious outlier who was going to sign for 15 million, but that's a fairly rare instance. That's why I say it's a very conceptual thing, you know, because I don't know. It's very complicated. <laughs> it is, and I don't know what the answer is because, like, the the old system had everything get like just corrupt too quickly and Mm -hmm. you can't really save it. I don't think like, I don't think you could just start regulate trying to regulate it. And then be like, yeah, it's, it's fine now. Like, I think it's too far gone, but like in general, I just wish like drafts. I don't love them in as a sporting thing in general, just cause like it really messes with player freedom in terms of where you're living and where you're going. But if the other alternative is, children getting exploited, I don't know what the answer is, you know? I mean, a, a counterpoint to the, to the draft being instituted would be that, you know, you're putting artificial limits on what you can give a player, which doesn't exist right now. In, in the I wild, mean, it kind, it kind of does. And it, does it does to a good degree. Like, you could have a team just say, fuck it, we want this guy, we're going to blow everybody else away, like the Yankees did, you know, uh, a, few, a few times. Um, which you wouldn't necessarily be able to do in a draft system where it's more regulated. But at the same time, a counter to that counter is that 
salaries and values are already so wildly they're so weird as it is right now or you could look at a guy like uh Dominguez like the the Mets signed him for $90,000 and he is if he was a high school senior in America he would be signing for millions of dollars you know the the values the, the player if financial valuations are so wild right now that I don't think that putting an artificial cap on things with a draft really hurts the players. You know, like it, it only does conceptually when you say, okay, now we're putting a ceiling on, on what they can get. Whereas the system right now, that ceiling doesn't exist, but it doesn't really happen very much. Only those premium, premium best players might stand to make less in a draft. Whereas those secondary everybody else players, they will most likely be making more. It also depends on how big the pools are. Did they say that? I don't remember. No, they said it's, it's 15, they, I believe it was a 15% proposed increase. So like the overall value of the slots in the draft would have be 15% higher than the total slot values that teams currently have. Okay. Now, like, at least, to, like, I, I don't think we're going to resolve this here because this is, like you said, a complicated, <laughs> yeah. nuanced issue. What I like, I like, if, for instance, they said, hey, we're going to let teams spend twice as much in total as they do now, we're going to institute a draft, I don't know that anyone would really complain about that. But who can say? Mm-hmm. Really, if, if the, the people that stand to lose the most, I guess, if a draft is instituted, would be. The teams themselves, because or, or certain teams, I should say, because let's say you have a team that's established a lot of, they've put a lot of money into establishing a scouting infrastructure and a presence in the Caribbean, and then you have a team that has not put in any effort whatsoever, and now all of a sudden they're on kind of the same playing field because of a draft situation. You know that that team that put in all that money and effort will have that advantage taken away from them, but. Who cares? <laughs> you know? Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Although at the same time, you know, major league teams are apparently hemorrhaging money, so, <laughs> you know, can they afford this kind of expenditure? Hit? I don't yeah. think, I think they need to be collecting alms. Yeah, poor teams. So, yeah, um, those are like really the, the, the biggest things that will be affecting the miners either this year or the next year when this new CBA happens, but you know, some of it is kind of benign and minor and then certain other things like, like this international draft, it's extremely important A and extremely complicated B. So it'll be interesting to see how things change in the next couple of years in the miners. Yeah, and there's probably changes being talked about that we don't even know yet. Like <laughs> To say that this will be the only things to affect the minor leagues out of this is, it's early for that, but also these are some of these are legitimately significant. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, and now we will conclude with the Wilpondery of the Week. And I want to do something a little different this week. And instead of the Wilpondery of the Week, I want to do the, the inverted Wilpondery of the Week. Something that's actually awesome. Who's the opposite of the Wilpons? Anybody that's <laughs> not an asshole? <laughs> uh, shit. I got yeah. nothing. Yeah, well, that's why that's why I just called the anti-Wilponner of the week, because who are the anti-Wilpons? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the anti-Wilponner of the week this week goes to the Kalamazoo Growlers and the Bismarck Larks. And they're a pair of teams in the Northwood League, which is a, a summer collegiate league. It's probably the second most famous and the second most prestigious after the, the Cape Cod League. And the Growlers and the Larks, they put out press statements the other day that they were banning Rob Manford from attending any of their games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Larks said that, that he was banned until the lockout reserves resolved. And the Growlers said that he is banned for all perpetuity. 
And the Larks, their statement's kind of benign. It says, you know, Rob Manfred hates baseball and hates fun. And that goes against our core values as a team where baseball is supposed to be fun. But the Growler statement actually goes on uh, a little bit for the kill. Uh, they say, quote, Amid MLB's lockout, Menford and the MLB team owners have shown only an interest in money and not providing baseball for their players and fans. They are trying to ruin baseball simply for their financial gain, end quote. That's pretty, that's a pretty tough statement for a team that's kind of, uh, semi-affiliated with Major League Baseball. That's surprising. Yeah. Drag him. Yeah, that is. Oh yeah, not to say he doesn't deserve it. Oh, he definitely deserves it. But good for them. Drag him like Achilles dragged Hector in the movie Troy. It's the hardest dragging I could come up with. If someone has a better one, please offer it instead. Can't think of anything. All right, well, if anyone has any questions, comments, or whatever, you could send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, of course, and rate and review. And we thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets, love the Mets.